have a Bible nearby, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 9 together. So we've been uh, on a series for the last couple of weeks uh, that will take us all the way uh, to the beginning of Advent. We're, going, uh, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. We'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, this chapter is uh, just filled with this list of examples of, of men and women who lived truly by faith and uh, have, were commended by God because, uh, because that's how they lived their lives. And uh, in this chapter, uh, the writer of Hebrews is just giving us uh, example after example after example. And it's very consistent because all throughout the Bible, you know, we're, we're of course taught to imitate Christ, but we're also taught to imitate those who are, who are imitating Christ accurately. Uh, God doesn't discourage us from patterning our lives and modeling our lives after those that we see around us or those that we've read about and heard about. And uh, as, as long as those people are modeling their lives after Jesus, it seems to make sense. You know, so uh, Jesus is not upset about this chapter of saying, look at all these people and how great they were. And he's like, what about me? That's not what's going on. He wrote the chapter, so he's, he's on board with things. And so we've been going uh, one example after another through the chapter here. This week we, we come to Noah Last week it was about Enoch, where there was like one verse, you know, two verses. Uh, here's there's like three chapters to cover, which we're not going to cover. Um, we're going from one extreme to the other as far as like, we don't know a lot about Enoch, but we know a ton about Noah. And uh, pretty, you know, maybe familiar to a lot of you as far as who he is, stuff like that. And so some of this will be a little bit of review. And so if that's you, then, you know, congratulations, you know who Noah is. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, pat yourself on the back. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at a, at a part of the account in Genesis, and then we're going to jump to Hebrews 11 uh, to be able to see exactly what uh, all the fuss is about. Um, so look at, look at verse 9 in chapter 6. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. All right? So let's just, let's just hold, hold tight on that verse just for a second. Um, a lot of times when you mention Noah, you know, you, you immediately go to, uh, he's the guy that built the ark and all, you know, the animals and then the flood came and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't often, I guess, go right in, just immediately to his character or what he was like uh, culturally and those kind of things. And this verse tells us a lot about him. Um, so it says, Noah was a righteous man. Blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. That's three really significant things about him that are going to help us when we get to Hebrews 11 to know kind of what, what, why he was such a big deal. Uh, okay, so the first one, uh, he was righteous. Uh, there are, um, we could be here for weeks talking about righteousness. Just kind of a, a, a quick synopsis of what, what that means. Uh, in a lot of ways, it means that, that the way that he lived his life, uh, was consistent with, uh, with what God says is right. Uh, it's consistent with God's reality. It's consistent with, with the holiness of, of God. Um, righteousness oftentimes has to do with, with uh, like what we sometimes say like our exterior things, you know, like, uh, like behavior or action and that kind of stuff. 
Um, but righteousness, it, it, you know, it's, its origin is, is internal, always. And so what's going on on the inside, the way it works itself out, uh, and kind of sh- like surfaces and shows up in real life, that's, that's how, like kind of how you sum up righteousness. I was reading a, a sermon manuscript one time where uh, the, the pastor talked about uh, that if this, he compared the sun... Or he talked about how the sun always acts like the sun. You know, like the sun is like, it's going to be there. It's going to be a, this massive ball of fire that everything is at the middle of everything. And uh, it's just going to sit there and be, be the sun constantly. And the planets are going to, they're going to, you know, revolve around it. And from an earthly perspective, the sun's going to come up and it's going to go down. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to do its thing. And it's always going to be the sun that uh, the fact that the sun, it is what it is, like that's like holiness. The fact that the sun always acts like the sun, that's righteousness. It's consistent with itself. And so righteous behavior is being consistent with, with uh, who God's made you. And so um, if, you know, believing that He has redeemed us, He's given us a new identity, and so when that new identity that's on the inside uh, surfaces in the outside, and we are... Uh, we are loving, we are patient, we are kind, we are gentle, we are, we are those things. That's righteousness. That's what it looks like. There's a consistency between, uh, the, between the inside and the outside. And it puts on display a rightness about things. It's saying, uh, this, is, this is what God says is right. You know? So this morning, uh, the college ministry went out to breakfast on the levee, and, and so their students are out there, and the, the breakfast on the levee team and stuff are out there, and folks from the community are coming out, and everybody's like working together and uh, like scrambling eggs and you know, frying up bacon and, and hanging out, and uh, it's, like this, it's definitely become a, a combined effort between people from local churches and people who live in that community, and uh, they're helping set up and clean up and all this kind of stuff. And uh, everybody lines up or whatever. And there's like they, they have these kids that have come by and the kids are hungry and they want breakfast. And so the, they put the kids at the front of the line. And uh, all those things are just all these displays of rightness going on. Saying, well, in the kingdom of God, people shouldn't be hungry. So let's find people that are hungry and let's get them some food. In the kingdom of God, these kids shouldn't be concerned about uh, where their next meal is going to come from. So let's put them at the front of the line and make sure they get the best eggs in the that piece of bacon that everybody's looking at, be like, that's the one, you know. Uh, let's give that to the kids, and if they want two bananas, let's give them two bananas, you know. And uh, they wanted coffee, and we're like, hey, all right, sure, you're eight, okay, here, have some coffee, you know. Uh, whatever. Uh, maybe that wasn't righteousness, but everything else uh, was, there's just, there's a rightness that happens, and so uh, saying that he was righteous means that his, uh, the way that he lived his life was displaying what's right, and it was consistent with the God that he walked with and served. And so, uh, so he was righteous. That tells us something very important about him. Second thing, it says he was blameless in his generation. This means that he was peculiar. That he was the good... He wasn't a weirdo, but he was weird. You know, there's a difference. Uh, the college group knows what I talk about. I talk about that a lot. How like, no, we should be weird. We shouldn't be weirdos. So don't be a weirdo, but be weird. Like, you know, culturally, we should stand out. There should be a... There should be a, a city on a hill. You know, we should be salt. We should be light. There should be something where we don't blend into culture you know, uh, all the time. There are times when, to, when we should fit in, uh, but there are a lot of times when we should stand out. And so he was blameless in his generation. Uh, he was in a part of a generation that was just ridiculous. We're going to see that in just a second. And so among his peers and in his culture, he stood out uh, in a very good way. 
So that tells us something about him. The third thing we see in the verse um, is that he walked with God. You remember last week, Enoch, that's one of the things we do know about him, is that he walked with God. Uh, that he had a relationship with God that, that the, the Hebrew words there uh, convey a, just a, a like normal, this is how I live my life kind of thing. Like he just consistently walked. He had a relationship with God. Um, he involved God in his life. He listened to the Lord. He sought the Lord's will. There was a relationship that was there. He walked with them. Um, we looked at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know, there was trust in the Lord with all of his heart. He wasn't relying on his own understanding of things. And he acknowledged God in, in every way, brought him into everything. And God made his path straight as they walked. And so, um, so we see that, that Noah wasn't just like a random guy that God picked to survive the flood. Uh, and he wasn't just the best available person. There's a tremendous amount of integrity. Uh, there's a lot of, he was just a godly, godly man in a place that apparently was like very much lacking in that department. Um, so, look at verse 10. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Uh, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted uh, their way on the earth. Okay? Um, you know, in verse 5, it's a, it describes the culture at that time. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. So God's looking at all the people on the earth. And it's just wickedness and rebellion and violence and evil continually all the time. So, uh, and this is, this is not the focus for tonight. Um, but admittedly, this is a, this is a sh- difficult part about the story of God. Uh, you know, the flood account, if you just focus on Noah, it's awesome. If you, like, forget about all the other, like, people and animals and all these kind of things, it, it's pretty dark. It really is. Um, so look at 13. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Uh, so God's decided everything's got to go. Everything's got to go. It's, a, it's an undoing of, what, of creation in a lot of ways. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. And we'll talk about it another day, but I don't want to get sidetracked on it. Um, so 14, uh, he tells Noah this. says, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch, okay, or, or like with tar. Uh, in other words, he's going to waterproof it, which would be good. Uh, this is how you to make it. Uh, length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark. Finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. Okay? So he's giving them some, you know, some uh, specs on things because Noah probably didn't know how to build a boat, especially one to hold that much stuff, one that was that massive. Uh, these were not seafaring people uh, at this time. And so uh, it just makes what he, God had called him to do even just all the more strange when you think about um, here's, here are these folks who are, based on like, everything that we're like, thinking at this point, like, they're just in like a, they're not, they aren't sea people. They don't live on the coast. All right? So he's going to build an, uh, this giant boat in the middle of dry land. And so he gives him some, uh, you know, some help on how to do that. Uh, verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters um, upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which uh, is beneath, uh, I'm sorry, is, is the, which is the breath of life under heaven. 
Everything that's on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kind, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come in to, uh, into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. That's, that's the bottom line right there. Uh, he, he did what God told him to do. He did what God told him to do. So go over to Hebrews 11, and let's see uh, what the writer of Hebrews has to say. Um, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. So you, you probably know the, the rest of the story. <clears throat> he did everything God said to do. It started to rain. Uh, it rained a lot for a long time. The entire earth was flooded, even the tops of the mountains. And uh, basically they were in this boat for like a year. Uh, long enough for the earth to fill with water and then for all the water to subside and then for it to be dry enough for them to live. So they're on this boat for a year and uh, they, they survived. Okay, spoiler. Uh, they made it and everything was cool. And they, get, they come off of the ark and they, uh, he builds an altar and they worship and then you know, things happen and they continued populating the earth. And uh, there's just a lot of questions that come with that. Um, the writer of Hebrews, he is going right after the faith of Noah. Because that's what Hebrews 11 is, is doing. It's pointing to the way that uh, these people lived out their faith. So look what it says. Start in verse 6, which we've talked about the last two weeks. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, that He rewards those who seek Him. Okay, whoever would draw near to God. So to say that Noah walked with God means that Noah was drawing near to God. And so what we know from this verse is saying as Noah was drawing near and Noah walked with God, something that we, we know from this verse is that Noah obviously believed that God existed and that, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And that was a part of his heart and his mind. Uh, that that's why we're looking at him as an example. Um, and so verse 7, he like goes to Noah specifically and says, like, and this is why, this is what was so spectacular about this. Uh, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. All right? So we're going we're to hang out in this verse for a little bit. All right? So this is all about the faith of Noah and the way that, that that faith that was internal for him, the way that that surfaced in what God had called him to do. Um, and so um, I'm just going to focus in on kind of two, kind of two points uh, to kind of build on for the next few minutes. Um, kind of looking at the first part of verse 7 and the second part of verse 7. Um, if you look at the first part again, by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Okay? Now the events yet unseen, that's been, a, that's been thematic for us over the last couple of weeks because faith largely deals with the unseen. Largely deals with the unseen, kind of, kind of in, in two like, very like, parallel streams. Right? One of them is, uh, is the fact that, that by faith we believe that something is going on uh, all the time, whether we can see it or not. 
that God is at work, that God uh, is, uh, he is who, exactly who he's told us that he is, and he's doing the things he said he's going to do, and he's going to care for us in these ways, that, that as you're going about your day, even if you can't feel him or see him or you know, any of that kind of stuff, by faith we're believing that there's stuff happening in the unseen parts of our relationship with him. So that's one stream. The, stream, the other stream that's parallel to that is the fact that, that we're constantly moving into the unseen of, of the next second. You know, the next moment. That we don't know the future. What's, it's unseen to us because we're, we're linear. We experience time one, one moment after the other. God, being outside of time, doesn't experience it in a linear sense. And so he knows what's coming. He knows the unseen of the next few moments. We do not. And so both of those together, that, those, that encompasses a lot of what faith is for us. Is that we're, we're following him into the unknown moments ahead. Believing that he is already there and that he is already at work and that he is leading us, whether we can, you know, whether we can feel that tangibly or not, we're trusting that that's you know going on. And so, um, so the, when it, when it says in verse seven that God warned Noah about events as yet unseen, that in part kind of sets the stage for what's going on. And you think about think about what what happened here. God's saying, hey. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna just kill everybody and everything uh, except for your family and two of every kind of animal. So I need you to build a big old waterproof vessel, and that'll take a while. And you know it, it, when you're done, it'll start raining. It'll rain for a long time, and uh, I'm promising you everything's gonna be okay. And you think about that. Think about the unseen. Think about what, what God was going into. And I, I, there's no evidence that this happened. But I would imagine that Noah probably went to his wife at some point and was like, Hey, I need to talk to you for a second. Uh, have a seat. You know, let's make some coffee. Uh, I'm assuming they had coffee. I hope so. Let's, let's make some coffee. Let's sit down. Let me tell you about what the Lord told me today. Uh, and so let's say that Noah's wife was awesome. Let's just assume that she was awesome. And that she was like, well, uh, let me help you as your helpmate. Let me help you process what you feel like God has told you. Because isn't that a part of what husbands and wives do, right? Your helpmates, you help each other in that, right? Sure. Okay, good. Just making sure. Um, so she was like, okay, let me, let me ask you some questions that might you know, help. And so um, maybe she's like, let me get some parchment and we'll make a list here. And she said, okay, here's, here's my first question. What, what do you sense God is leading you into? And he's like, okay, I think that he's leading me to build a giant boat. She's like, okay, build a giant boat. Uh, she said, okay, next question. Uh, what, are you, what are you hoping is true? Like, what are you hoping ha- happens? For, you know, like, what are, your, what are your things hoped for? And he's like, uh, I hope that it rains and floods the earth and everyone dies. <laughs> but think about it. That had to be a part of his hope is that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, right? It's dark, but it's true. It's like, I hope that it rains and I hope that I'm hearing him correctly. So, okay, hope that you're hearing him correctly. A weird way of stating that is I hope everyone dies. But we'll, just, we'll say it more positively. You hope that God actually does what he said he's going to do. Okay, that's good. Um, 
What's a, what, what else are you hoping for? It's like, well, I'm hoping that the boat holds up. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that God really does reward those who seek Him. I'm hoping that uh, He really does exist, and I'm not just making this up in my head. I'm hoping that, you know, so maybe he like rattled off a bunch of things he was really hoping for. And, you know, that's cool. Um, and then maybe her third question was like, okay, what, what evidence, like what things have you seen that can help inform the unseen of this? All right. Do you sound familiar? No? Okay. Um, what have you seen that informs the unseen? And he's like, well, uh, I see the sun go up every day. And... That didn't just happen. You know, and I see the, the trees, you know, and I see our awesome kids. And that didn't just happen, you know. So I see creation around me. That's a lot of the, what, I've, what I've seen that helps me trust. Um, what have I seen? Uh, I've, I walk with the Lord every day, so I hear Him, you know. He's led us this far. He's led us all the way, every step, the whole time. I've seen His faithfulness over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, for years, I see the wickedness of the world uh, contrasted with the goodness of, of wh- who I know God to be. Um, and she's writing and writing and writing and writing. She's like, okay. So, you feel like he's leading you to build a boat because things are about to get really bad. You feel like he's spoken to you and given you instructions on what to do. Uh, and you're hoping that you're right, and you're hoping that um, all the things that you've experienced him be to you before, he continues to be faithful and good and sovereign and bigger than all this, the one who made all this and holds all this together, uh, clearly having a plan for things, and clearly things are just whatever. Uh, and I think maybe, maybe Noah's anxiety and stress and worry, like maybe it subsided a little bit, Again, I'm just speculating, but think about if you felt like God was telling you all that, how you would react. And I'm hoping that his wife was an awesome wife. Talked him through it and then was like, okay, so what's the next step? And he's like, well, i got to figure out what gopher wood is because I have no idea. (laughs) I need a lot of it. And that's that's what is going on here. That's a part of why there's such great commendation for Noah is in light of just how crazy this situation is. He trusted. He didn't, maybe he freaked out. He didn't freak out to the point where he was disobedient. It says in Genesis 6, he did everything God told him to do. Um, so here's the first point. That wasn't the first point. That was the setup to the first point. Here's the first point. Sometimes, uh, when you walk with God, He may lead you to things that only make sense to Him at the time. That's a part of us walking in relationship with God, is that as you believe that He, being your good shepherd, is leading you, right? Green pastures, still waters, Psalm 23, everything being real, and He's leading you. There are going to be times when you're going to get to something, and it literally only makes sense to Him. It makes no sense to you, it makes no sense to your close community, your family, your spouse, whatever. Um, maybe as a family, you sense he's leading you into something. You're like, this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. There will be times when it only makes sense to him. 
And that's okay. And you might, you might be there right now. You might be in a place where you're like, man, I, I really feel like, like, like this is what God has wanted me to, to trust and follow Him into, but it don't make a lick of sense. But obviously it makes sense to Him. And for disciples of Jesus, that has to be enough for us. And that's not easy, but it has to be enough. I'm like, well, I don't have to understand it. He understands it. As long as he understands it, I'm, I'm good. And sometimes that can be tough. Um, but the good news in this is that most of us are not called to something this extreme. This is kind of a, you know, an extreme case, right? Build a giant boat because I'm going to kill the whole world. Okay, that's kind of an extreme situation. And we should look at it that way. We should look at that not as be like, oh man, that totally describes my life. It's like, no, don't do that. It doesn't describe your life. I can so relate to Noah. No, you can't relate to Noah. You can't. This is extreme. And that's good news, okay? But something that we can learn from him is, is like, man, it's really possible to make it through something that only makes sense to God at the time. It really is like it's walking by faith and to follow Him and it really can turn out like just so great because He's the one doing the leading. Um, so some examples I was thinking about and just from listening and uh, just kind of knowing some of the things that are going on. Uh, I wrote a couple of examples down. One, this is an interesting one that people, a lot of people battle. The, the timing of major life events. The timing of major life events. Okay? Uh, I have this list in my mind of things that we should just all stop saying to each other. Uh, here, here's some, some examples. So, when are you two going to get married? You should stop saying that. So, when are you two going to start having kids? You should st- we should stop saying that. You know? So, when are you two going to stop having kids? <laughs> Don't say that either. You know? Whatever. Some of those major life events. So, how long till you finally get out of school? You know? So, how long, how long is it going to be before you quit that job or pick up another job or find a job? Or, so, how much longer till this? Or how much longer till this? Or how much longer till this? You know, there, unfortunately, in, in the world, there is this, like, uh, I don't know, this, like, standard timeline of life events that is just kind of something that a lot of us grow up and you're looking forward in your life and you're like, well, yeah, when I hit this age, this will happen and this will happen and this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. And more often than not, it, like, those timelines don't, they just don't happen that way. And it becomes very frustrating when people are just asking you questions that you aren't ready to answer and then it makes you insecure about yourself and your situation and then it just, there's just all this kind of stuff. So we just need to stop saying that to each other probably. So you may sense that God's leading you into something that is really, really different from uh, the timeline of all like, other major life events that maybe you thought or people your age tend to think or your parents think or you know, whatever. Um, and we need to be okay with that because sometimes God's leading you down a path that only makes sense to Him. So He may not be leading you to marry that person just because you're at that right age. Or he may not be leading you to have kids just because it's, you've been married for like more than two weeks, you know, or whatever. Uh, that if we really are, are encouraging each other to walk with the Lord and bring him into every aspect of life, then why don't we just let that happen? 
instead of trying to impose some sort of weird timeline or uh, worldly, human-based, whatever, expectations on each other. So if you're, into something, if you're somewhere and you're, like, you're going through and you feel like God's leading you towards something and the timeline or whatever for that is different than you thought it would be or what other people think it is, uh, maybe you can relate to Noah a little bit in that God's leading you to something that it kind of only makes sense to him. It doesn't even have to make sense to you. So if you're a young married couple and you like, don't have kids yet and you're getting all these people making comments and stuff like that, uh, you know, it's, you have to kind of emotionally like stiff arm them a little bit, and not let that stuff get to you, and really be able to, as a married couple, come before the Lord and be like, "We're just we're listening to you in this," um, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to us right now as to why you're saying wait, or why maybe you know maybe there's some just some issues and you're unsure of those those kinds of things. He's the one that you listen to. He's your good shepherd. He is your prophet, priest, king. He is the one that's there. And so if it doesn't make sense to other people and it doesn't even make sense to you, uh, just chill. It'll be okay. Sometimes that happens. Uh, other things on, on my list here, uh, sometimes it's about adjusting life expectations, you know, which is sort of related uh, and stuff, but hey, it may not make sense to you why your life looks the way that it does right now. Why your life, at this point, as it turned out like you thought that it would, it may not make sense to you, but if it makes sense to him, then it's okay. If you're being obedient to him, then that's what you're going for. If you're being disobedient, then that's a whole other conversation. Okay? But assuming that obedience is there, uh, he's the one that you answer to. Uh, changing jobs, changing your major, changing some of those kind of things may not make sense to you, but you feel like he's leading you to do that. Well, sometimes it only makes sense to him. Um, if, if, if God is leading you to do something with your finances, like he's leading you to maybe, maybe tithe more, uh, to uh, give to certain things, to get involved with Future Hope and make financial investment in the kids in India, some of those kind of things. And you're like, oh, it doesn't make sense, though, because I only have this much coming in and all this kind of stuff. If he's leading you to do that, then that's a step of faith that it may only make sense to him. But it's all his money anyway, right? It's not yours in the first place. So maybe that's an area of trust. Uh, missional living of any sort. It may not make sense to you why, uh, he, why he's put one of your coworkers on your heart to pray for steadily over and over and over again. Every community group at the, on the closing part of it when we're talking about, all right, whose life are you going into? Who is he sending you to? You keep just saying, I don't know why, but it's this person. I work with this person. They hate me. They make fun of me. They, like, whatever. They, like, lie to the boss about me, whatever. But I'm just, like, God has me praying for them so much. Uh, that doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to people around you, but it makes sense to him. These are examples. So how do you know? I mean, how do you know? If it only makes sense to him and not to you or anybody else, how do you know that like, you're not the problem in this? Uh, just a quick bit of, of encouragement. All right? the, the longer you walk with him, the longer you trust him with all your heart, lean, don't lean on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways, all right? the longer that happens, you, you, learn, you learn to discern. His voice. So if you're, if you're fairly new to walking with the Lord, don't get frustrated with the fact that you really aren't sure sometimes. It's something, that's why, that's why Jesus says, uh, He invites us uh, to come and to learn from Him and to follow Him. It's a part of, of what happens when we learn, we learn the guidance of the Father. We learn His voice. We do. So don't be discouraged. Um, the second thing, when you immerse yourself in truth, you very quickly and easily can spot error. 
So we immerse ourselves in the truth of God's word. And so very quickly, you're able to discern like, oh, man, God would never tell me to do that. You know, if you're like, man, I really feel like God wants me to go murder that person. You're like, oh, no, no, that's not true. How do I know? Because I'm immersed in truth enough to know that murder is not something I like he wants me to do. So you immerse yourself in truth, you spot error, but you also, you, you know, you're like, yeah, he, he definitely is calling me in this direction because the entire Bible talks about this. So walking with him, immersing yourself in truth, and then living in real, like, real community, all right? Not like two-inch deep community, like real community, helps a lot with clarity. It really does. So Noah talking to his wife, that's a, that's a helpmate thing. Um, the close friends and family that you walk with, the community group that you're a part of, the elders that serve this church, and some of the restructuring things we've been talking about, all of these relationships are there uh, as an opportunity to, to maybe bring some clarity to things when you're, when you're struggling with it. Uh, all that basically says God's really set us up very well um, so that when he's leading us into something that only makes sense to him, we're not, like we have everything that we really need uh, for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who's called us to his own glory and goodness, and part of that is the church and each other. Um, so that's the whole, that's, that's the first point, that sometimes God's going to call you to do things that only make sense to him. The second one is, is a good bit shorter. Look at the second part of the verse. Look at the whole verse again. By faith, Noah, being warned by God uh, concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Okay? So he, he did that. Like, he took the steps of faith. Um, he did what God told him to do. And look at the, the back part. By this, he condemned the world. What? <laughs> First time I read that, I was like, oh, bummer. You know, like, you're the one. You're the one that condemned the world. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Um, here's here's what, the, what that means in short form. Uh, by him being obedient, he was, uh, he was the exception that proved the rule. Like his obedience caused him to like basically put on display the righteousness uh, that God has called us to. And it's like putting a diamond on a, on a black uh, velvet cloth. You know, it makes a diamond just sparkle and shine. And that's kind of what we have here is here's, here's this glaring, shining example of obedience in a world that just wants nothing to do with the Lord. He condemned the world. He, by walking in obedience, he proved that God was right. He displayed that rightness. And so, for us, walking by faith, it's not like we're like, I'm going to walk by faith and show everybody how sinful they are. That's not, that's not what happened here. That's not what we're called to do. What we see here is that by, by obedience, something very important gets displayed for the whole world to see. And that is the reality of the kingdom of God. That when, when you are walking into something that only makes sense to God and doesn't make sense to you, but you're trusting Him and you're taking those steps forward, everybody around you looks at that and what they're seeing is the way things ought to be. They're, they're seeing the way things ought to be. So this morning, breakfast on the levee, part of what that's doing is displaying for the world, this is how it ought to be. People shouldn't be without food. People shouldn't be hungry. So let's display what that looks like. If you work with people and you have like that, there's one person in your office and everybody just mocks them all the time and nobody wants to like befriend them. It's as like fourth grade, you know, schoolyard as that sounds, it still happens in adult world. 
when you are like you are kind to them and compassionate to them and you befriend them, you're displaying for the world. This is how it ought to be. No one should be ostracized. When when someone is objectified and you refuse to join in that objectification, you're saying, yeah, in the kingdom of God, no one is an object. No one is used. When someone is treated with zero dignity and zero respect and you do the opposite, you're like, no, this person was made in God's image and they're deserving of dignity and respect and this is what that looks like. That's what we, what we see here. It's what being an, an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith, that's what it is. So you're fully alive. You're, you're saying, no, 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 this is how things ought to be. So in, in your obedience and my obedience... Following him to, into the things that only make sense to him, a part of what's that, what that is doing is that it's showing the entire world uh, the way it ought to be. It's showing the world what's right. And God uses that. I mean, that's ministry. That's, that's him saying, yeah, see, here, here, here. This is, this is what is real and true and good. So a lot of times we end up, we, we get very you know, self-absorbed in our obedience. You know, we're like, oh, I feel like he's wanting me to do this or he's wanting our family to do this or whatever. It's so hard. It's so difficult. No, but we're just going to trust him. And, and here Noah's given us a completely different perspective. He's like, hey, don't, don't lose sight of the fact that not only is that bringing glory to the Lord and that's good for your soul and all these things are happening um, you know, like vertically between you and him, it's also having a tremendous impact horizontally because you live life with all kind of people watching and God's being like, hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. If you were meant to live for more than what you're living for, look at this. This is what you're meant to live for. For worship, for holiness, for relationship with God, for complete trust in the Lord, uh, the sovereign creator of the universe who loves and cares for us and makes Psalm 23 real for you and I. So following him into things that only make sense to him, it's not just about us, it's about everything. It's about everything. So it's much, much bigger. And so those are, the, those are, are the, the, the two things from Noah that we, gonna, that we talked about tonight. Sometimes God's going to lead you into things that only make sense to Him. And when, when we follow Him, that displays for the entire world the way things ought to be. So if you're facing something right now and whatever, I really think maybe God wants us to get a, just gain a different perspective and to realize that like, this is a part of us joining Him and bringing the gospel to the world. It's even in those simple things. So I don't know where this meets you, but you do. So I'm going to pray and we're going to sing, respond a little bit, and uh, it'll be good. So let's, let's pray together. God, I thank you for, um, for your goodness, your goodness to us and your patience and for the sovereign way that you guide our lives, that you have not left us uh, to be completely on our own. I'm grateful for your faithfulness and leading us forward and down paths of righteousness for your namesake. That you lead us forward and show us step by step what needs to happen. We thank you that this is not just a random journey through life. 
grateful, God, for your, uh, just the steadiness with which you love us and teach us and that we learn from you. That you invite us to come after you and to, to learn to know the Father's voice. You've given us so much truth. You've given us one another. And we are set up uh, to, to make it. Not only to make it, but to live abundantly. And that's what life in you is all about. When we say that we are in Christ, it's abundance. So God, help us to get uh, your perspective on the things that we sense you leading us into. Especially for those who are following you forward and it doesn't make a lick of sense. I pray, God, that you would assure them of your presence, your goodness, um, and the fact that they may not know what's coming next, but you do. And that even if that path leads to difficult things, you never leave or forsake us at all. spend a minute or so just with you and the Lord and we're going to stand and we're going to sing some songs kind of reflect these last two points tonight so you spend a spend a minute just you and him and then we'll sing